0: The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at ConnectionChurchNC.com. Amen. Are you guys glad you're in church this morning? I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be here. I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to get there here in just a few minutes. But before we go any further this morning, man, I I don't know, some of you probably haven't noticed, man, but I haven't been on stage in four weeks. I haven't preached in four weeks, so let me just give you a disclaimer. I've had an energy drink, and I haven't preached in four weeks. So Bradley, fireman in the house, if I combust into flames... You guys know what to do, right? I will stop, drop, and roll, but you guys got to do your part. Amen? Hey, have you guys enjoyed the last four weeks? Because I have thoroughly enjoyed them. Man, those messages that Pastor Brent and Pastor Bradley brought, phenomenal. Listen, man, we have such an unbelievable team, and I am just blessed that I get to work with those guys. Over those four weeks, we saw 14 people say yes to Jesus Christ as their Savior. Guys, that is worth celebrating because that is the only business that we are in. So if people aren't coming to know Jesus as their Savior, then what are we doing here, right? But that's what has happened over the last four weeks and I can promise you that the next four and beyond are going to blow your minds. I cannot wait for the day where we're seeing those 14 and so many others being baptized because that's what we do. When someone says yes to Jesus, we want to see them go forward in public with that faith through baptism and then we disciple them and we take them out on the streets and we get them into our city and we get them into our community because that's what God's called us to do so that's what I am thankful for I am thankful for our team and I am thankful for what God is getting ready to do over these next couple of weeks because listen I know when we talk about generosity in church People automatically think that uh, they're going to take two or three offerings. No, that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. You see, and we'll get to the definition of generosity here in just a second, but generosity has so much more to do than just with your money. Okay? So everybody, just right now, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay this morning. Amen? Jesus, I thank you for little children. I thank you that we can gather here in what just about three hours ago was a school. But right now, we have this place before us, and it is your house. This is your sanctuary. This is your place where you are dwelling. God, thank you for being real. God, thank you for being present. And God, my prayer for everyone in this room right now is that no matter what may be on their mind or in their heart God, I pray that you will just remove it in a way only you can so that just over the next few minutes, God, we can focus on what you would say to us. God, thank you for being so generous to us. Thank you for being so sweet and loving. And I just thank you for allowing us to be right here this morning. And it's in your precious name we pray these things. Amen. Hey, parents, parents of teenagers in the room, let me see a show of hands. Parents of teenagers in the room, raise them high. Don't be ashamed of that, okay? I, I, I am getting older. I am in about a month and a half um, going to have my first teenager. And so those parents with teenagers, you know what I'm getting ready to say. Something happens to their brain as soon as they become a teenager, some of you who have teenagers can talk to me maybe after the service or we'll meet this week because I need some help because I have little humans, like perfect little humans that are normal and they do normal things as their little humanness. But now I am getting ready to have a 13-year-old age thirteen year old human. This teenager's come coming along and I haven't figured him out. I'm sort of confused because he is so nice and he is so sweet. I've had, I got his permission to talk about him this morning. It's okay. He's so nice, and he's so sweet, and, and he's smart. Like, he won an award for highest grade in math in sixth grade this year. I don't know who was sitting in front of him, but I thought that was a good thing. <clears throat> but he is so smart and so handsome and so nice and polite, and all of you all like him, but somewhere an alien has abducted his training of thought. Like, he knows what he should do. He knows the answer, but somewhere it is getting lost when it comes to action. He knows that when someone tells him to put up his shoes, it doesn't mean that you just move them this far. The teenage brain is is sort of intriguing. You guys remember back in the late 80s? Some of you may remember this. They had a commercial that said, this is your brain. And this is your brain on. I'm not saying you teenagers are on drugs, but they took an egg and cracked it into a frying pan. Remember that? I would love to look into the teenage brain because knowing what to do and actually putting it into action are worlds apart. But I think there's a lot of us in here this morning that struggle with that. Listen, if you are not a Christ follower in this room, Well, what I'm getting ready to say over about the next 20 minutes, it really doesn't apply to you, but you feel free to listen on because here's the thing, as Christ followers, we are called, we're not given the option, but we are actually called, those of us who have introduced our life to Christ, we are actually called to be generous people, like it's not an option. And what I've seen throughout the church and with so many Christians is just like the teenager's brain. We as Christians, we know that we are to be generous people. Like generosity to the Christ follower should naturally flow out of us. Like we know it. But the application of being generous and actually doing that somewhere gets lost in translation. Do you know that everything God created, I mean everything, God created, he created for a purpose. And in their purpose of God's creation, God's created things give. I could spend the whole time this morning talking about what those things give, but listen, you think about it, from from the sun who gives off heat and energy, You think about the plants that we see growing in many of our fields. They give off food. You think about the trees that you'll see on your way home. They're giving off oxygen. Everything God created gives. And guess what? We're created by God. We are to be people of generosity. Somewhere I think it gets lost in the translation here in the church. As I said earlier, I don't want to scare anyone with generosity, but generosity is the willingness to give, the willingness to share. And that doesn't simply have to do with your finances. Oh, it does have to do with your money. But listen, that's not all of our focus this morning or this next three weeks. You see, some of us in here, We are called to be generous with our gifts. Did you see these guys, what they were doing here this morning? I can't do that. And so they are being generous with their gifts. Some of you are called to be generous with your influence. Like you can make things happen in this community that no one else can make happen. Some of you in this room are being called to be generous with your time. Man, you have nothing but time. And God has allowed that to happen so that you can be generous with it. Somewhere, we're losing knowing what we should do and actually making it happen. There's two things that I want to cover this morning that I can say with almost 100% assurance that there are two things that must happen in this room if you want to be a person of generosity. And the first one is this. If you take notes, you can write this down. It's simple. The first is this. There are some things in our life that we must give up before we can ever give out. Does that make sense? There are some things in your life that you must give up if you ever want to be someone who can give out. First Kings chapter 19, I love this. Now listen, some of you have been in Sunday school and you know these two guys, but I guarantee you, if you had to place a bet, not that any one of us in here gamble, but if you had to place a bet, you could not tell me which one came first. Elisha or Elijah? You see, here's the deal. Elijah came first. Elijah came before Elisha. And the only way that this young man from Wahlberg can figure that one out and continue to remember it is J comes before S. So Elijah came before Elisha. And we have a story here where Elijah, obviously told by God to go and anoint Elisha. Now, I am going to tell you, I am going to make a mistake and I'm going to misinterpret and I'm going to say one when I mean the other. Just forgive me. We're full of grace in this place, right? I say Noah for Moses. Moses was on the ark. Get over it, right? So Elijah came before Elisha. God tells Elijah, go anoint Elisha. I want him to be my next guy in line right after you. He's going to tell many wonderful things about the coming king, Jesus. And so God says to Elijah, go and anoint Elisha. And that's where we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19. And it says this. So Elijah, Moses, Noah, whoever you want to say. So Elijah went from there and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He was himself driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now let's just picture this. Elisha, the younger of the two. Elisha came from a family of influence. They were very wealthy. 12 yoke of oxen. Him driving the last pair tells me, and it tells you that this man had a lot of money to own that many pair of oxen. And him driving the last pair represents that he was a man of influence. He was leading. If I have any leaders in the room, listen, this is a wonderful story on leadership. He was leading from the rear. Our world tells us today just the opposite. You lead from the front. But Elisha was given a wonderful example in leadership right here. He was wealthy. His parents were wealthy. He could have probably been sitting on the sideline, but he was in the field with his people. And he was leading it, driving the last pair of oxen. And so Elijah comes up and he throws his cloak on him. Basically, this is what this means. Some of you have probably watched some TV evangelists, and this, this is, you've seen this, and they may take a coat and they just wave it over the crowd, and people are falling down, right? That's sort of what he did right here. Like Elijah takes his cloak and he throws it onto Elisha. What that represents to us this morning is that cloak represented God's glory being given to Elisha. You see, that's what God told Elijah to do. I want you to go and anoint Elisha. And that's exactly what happens. He throws his cloak over him. God's glory is now with Elisha because Elisha is now being called to go out and spread the word of God. He's the next in line to take over what Elijah has been doing. Let's pick up what happens next. Elisha says to Elijah, says Elisha then left his oxen and he ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. He says, what have I done to you? Basically saying, hey, Elisha, You do whatever you need to do. I've done what God told me to do. Now it's up to you to do what God's telling you to do. And so it says this, somewhere along the line, Elisha had one of those thoughts, like our teenagers and much like many of us in the church today, I know what I need to do. Elisha was simply saying, God, I know what you're wanting me to do. And then the battle starts to rage. I know what I need to do. I even know what God's asking me to do. But I still want to go back over here and kiss my father and mother goodbye. Which do I do? And somewhere, maybe in one of those dusty fields that Elisha was plowing, he knew what he needed to do. There was something that Elisha was going to have to give up He was going to have to give up life as he knew it. If he was going to be obedient to what God was calling him to do. I love what happens next in verse 21. Let me just say a little side note here. Your generosity, your generosity will always affect the people around you. If you become a generous person, it is not only going to affect you, but it will greatly impact the people around you. That's what happens here in verse 21. It says, Elisha, he came to his senses. He knew what he needed to do and he applied it. In verse 21 it says, so Elisha left him and went back. It doesn't say that he went back to kiss his mother and father. It doesn't say that he went back to prepare. It doesn't say that he even went back to pray. It says he went back and he took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat. And look what it says here. And it says that he gave it to the people and they ate. Elisha had to give something up before he was ever going to go and give out. And I love the fact that the people closest to Elisha, they benefited from his obedience first and then his generosity. There may be some of you sitting here today, And this may be the first time you've ever heard about us as Christ followers being called to generosity. And I would just ask every one of us in this room, is there anything in your life right now that is keeping you from giving out or being a generous person? Is there something in your life that you need to give up that is hindering you from giving out? Some of you may just be too busy and you can't be generous with your time because you have none to give. Some of you may be so full of hobbies and your leisure time is just gone because your hobbies take priority. Some of you may have boats, motorcycles, golf clubs. Listen, if that's you, I don't want you to go and burn them like Elisha. Just bring them to the office. We will make sure they get into the right hand. We don't want to be wasteful. We want to be generous. But seriously, I know that there are some things in your mind right now that you're knowing and you're thinking about man, that is, huh? That's keeping me from being generous. There was something in my life just recently that was keeping me from being very generous, and it was my house payment. My house payment, I was being very generous to the bank, but I wasn't being very generous to the people that God was placing in my life. And so I had to make the difficult decision along with my wife, this is something we have to do. Like, we've got to sell our house so that we can be more generous to the people around us. Because I'm tired of being generous to people that I don't even know. People at the bank that own my house. And so we sold our house so that we could in return be generous to the people God is placing in our life. I'd like to say, man, that was the easiest decision. It was the easiest move. It was so smooth. That was one of the most difficult things that we've been through in our 15 years of marriage. But I can promise you here with Elisha, He gave up something that probably he only knew all his life. And he didn't just simply go put it in a corner or go put it in a barn. He killed his oxen and he burned his plowing equipment because he was saying, what is keeping me from doing what God has called me to do? I am going to destroy it so it can no longer get in the way of me being obedient to God. And so I ask you, what is it that is in your way from giving out? What do you need to give up? And I love the fact that God right now is just saying those things to you. But I think that there's something that has to take place even before us giving up. I think every one of us in this room today, right now, God's presence is very real. Man, I'm giving it up. I'm giving it up. I'm giving it up. But I think there's something that has to take place first. Maybe in every one of our lives. You see, before we can ever give up what God has placed right now on our mind, maybe not every one of us, but many of us. You see, before we can ever give up, We've got to give all. And we've got to give him all. God, you've got to own every bit of us. God, I'm giving you everything I have. God, I want to give you every thought. God, I want to give you every move. God, I want to give you every part of my life. You see, some of us in here need to give him all that will only help us be able to give up. When God places those things on our mind. Turn with me into the New Testament. And Matthew records a phenomenal act. Matthew writes about a scene on a beach. Where these men were doing their thing. They were doing what they knew. They were taking part of the family tradition. And Matthew records what happens when Jesus was walking on the shore. You see, it's in Matthew chapter 4, and I'll just pick up at verse 18. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Jesus comes on the scene in verse 19 and he says this, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they gave all. At once, it says that they left their nets and followed him. They were willing to give up. Only because they were willing to give all. And then it goes on in verse 21, it says, Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. He says, they were in a boat with their father. They were preparing their nets. And Jesus called them. And it says, immediately they gave all. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed Jesus. He says, I believe the church is known for what it's known for today. I think that we as Christ followers have gotten a little bit off track and we are not willing to give all. Like we're willing to give as long as it's comfortable. And again, I'm not only talking about your money, I'm talking about your time and I'm talking about your influence and I'm talking about your gifts. What would it look like if the millions of so-called Christ followers were so committed to give everything they have that if Jesus told us to jump, we asked Him how high? If we were willing to leave our Father, if we were willing to leave our nets, if we were willing to leave our boats, if God said to do this, We simply did it. What do you think could start to take place in a little community like Wahlberg? What do you think could happen in a city like High Point if the thousands upon thousands of Christ followers simply gave all? I was in Ohio a couple of weeks ago. My wife loves this little restaurant called Bob Evans, a little breakfast place. So we're there having breakfast with my 19, I mean four children. It only feels like that when they're not doing as their father tells them sitting there having a wonderful breakfast on our way back into town into north carolina our waitress is just one of those bubbly wonderful smiling generous waitresses she did a phenomenal job so we ate our meal and i went to pay for the breakfast up at the front cash register swiped my card with the guy and he handed me my paper for me to sign and leave the tip and this waitress had been generous to us. She had given us chocolate chip cookies and she didn't need to do that. I said, God, I'm going to be generous to her because you've been generous to me and I've given up some things and I'm able to do this type of things now. And so I left her a very large tip. It was double our bill. And the young man who was helping check me out, he said, you're, you're going to leave her that much? And I said, yeah. I said, man, she was phenomenal. She was a generous lady. She was just great. And the young man behind the register looked at me. I had my Los Angeles Dodger hat on. I had a white t-shirt on. He said, are you a baseball player? And I just sort of chuckled. And man, I wish I would have thought this as a comeback. But I just chuckled. And I said, no, man, she just did a phenomenal job. And I want to bless her today. I left and went over and said thank you once again to our waitress. And I just went on my way. And as I drove, I thought to myself, man, wouldn't it be wonderful one day in our little community called the Piedmont Triad? Wouldn't it be wonderful one day when people start feeling the blessing of our obedience? Wouldn't it be wonderful when we bless someone and share our generosity? Wouldn't it be awesome one day in this Piedmont Triad area that instead of them saying, hey man, are you a baseball player? What if they looked at us and said, man, you must be one of those radical Christ followers. Why can't that happen, church? I believe it can. When we say, God, I know that my house or my car or this debt or this relationship or this group of people or you name it is standing in my way of giving up everything to you, God. You must be one of those radical Christ followers. I promise you when that day happens, this community started to change. In the name of Jesus. Amen. See, but for that to happen this generosity thing has to be because we believe it and it's a part of our faith we'll never be generous people for the long run if we do it just because it's out of feelings you see feelings fade church this feeling that you have right this second is going to fade sometimes we're not going to feel like being generous. (laughs) Man, some of you don't even like feeling like, you don't even feel like being a Christian sometimes. I see y'all's Facebook. This generosity thing will soon fade if it's just based off of your feelings. But when it becomes a part of your faith and understanding That just like Peter, James, John, and Andrew, when Jesus called them, they gave everything they had up. And I know there's some of you in here today and you're ready to take that step. I'm ready to give up. Jesus, I'm ready to give all to you. what i want to do is I want to pray with you because I'm still with you in the giving up process. Like I'm there with you. We're going to journey through this thing together. And I just want to pray with you. Is that okay? I'm Some of you in here today, you're ready. Like I'm ready to give up and I'm ready to give all. Could you just come join me up here? We're going to make this front of the cafeteria. We're going to make this our little time of prayer place. And I know that may be weird for some of you in church, like getting up out of my seat to go pray with the pastor. Man, that's what we do here. I'm just going to ask you, would you come? If you know that God's calling you into this same thing of giving some things up so that you can give Jesus all, I'm just going to ask you, would you come and pray with me? Right here. you brought this to my mind. I'm giving it up. I'm done with it. It's in my way of being obedient to you. It's keeping me from being generous. It's keeping me from giving my time. It's keeping me from giving my gifts. It's keeping me from giving Jesus and this community everything that it deserves. I'm going to just ask right now in this room, there may be someone who says, I've never given my life to Jesus. Like, I've never asked Him to be my Savior. But today I'm really willing to give Him my all. I'm willing to start with my life. Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? And will you be my Savior today? If that's you... Would you just raise a hand, Scott? I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Would you just raise a hand so I can be praying for you? Hey, God, I thank you for this very moment. And I know that you are very real. And just as you have called Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, just as you used your prophet Elijah to call Elisha, God, you are calling every one of us here right now to give up and to give you all. And for every one of us in this room, it may be a little different, but it's for a purpose. And it's the purpose of going out into this community and showing people what it means to follow after a man called Jesus Christ. So God, I'm asking in the powerful name of Jesus through your Holy Spirit right now, whatever it is that these people have brought to you, Jesus, it's yours. may we be people of action God do not let us leave this room right now knowing what we need to do but having it get lost in translation God may we go out of this place and be recognized as those radical followers of Jesus Christ. God, we promise you that we will give you every bit of the glory because you are the only one that is worthy of it. God, thank you for setting the example of generosity. And it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen.